Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I am so glad that you're joining us. I want to tell you what religious news services said. Now, to help you with that, that is an agency that covers religious ethics, spirituality, and moral issues. Now, here's what they report, that if someone gathered up all the Bibles in this country, now think about this, if someone would gather up all the Bibles, either used or the ones that are gathering dust, okay, in this country alone, the stack would be 29 million feet tall. Now, now, to help you with that, that would be a tower of Bibles that would rise more than 5,400 miles into the air. And to put that in perspective, the International Space Station orbits at only 278 miles. That's a lot of Bibles. And according to Barna, a study that they did on behalf of the American Bible Society, 85% of households in this country own a Bible, but not just any Bible, but actually on average, 4.3 Bibles per household in this country. Is that amazing? And think about that. They tell us that the annual sales of Bibles are between 425 million and 650 million dollars year in and year out dwarfing any other book sold. Now, why do I say all that? Because what saddens my heart is the fact that the Bible is everywhere. When it comes to the human life, it seems to be nowhere. And, and let me just say this. We're without excuse. We are without excuse. Let me give you what I think the problem is. It's a story of a man who said he had received no inspiration from the Bible, although he had gone through it several, several times. I love what his pastor said when he told him that. He said, maybe that's the problem. May I encourage you to read it again, or at least read it one more time, but this time, instead of you going through it, let it go through you. And I think that's the problem. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. The Word of God is alive and powerful. That's what the Bible says. The Word of God, it is alive, it's living, it's active, and has incredible power. He goes on to write, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I like the way Eugene Peterson writes it in the message, sharp as a surgeon's scalpel. I love that. The Bible has an incredible ability, doesn't it? To cut right to my heart, to show me where I need to grow, to expose the areas that are selfish, that are human, and then to point me in the right direction if I would so choose to let it. Or as D.L. Moody said, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge. The Bible was given to change our lives. And that's what Jesus said in John 6. The words I have spoken to you, the words I have spoken, he goes on to say, are spirit 
and they are life. Man, do we need the word of God today. What's going through your mind up until that point? It just makes me excited because I just, I know um, from reading how it just kind of like wells up this, this excitement because it's the spirit of God working through his word. And even, even if it's a, a thing to where it's um, convicting me, it's not condemnation or guilt. It's just a conviction of needing to change something. But that always leads to a better life. And so it just makes me excited. I think it's mixed emotions, and you said them both, the joy of that, of, of knowing what it does, but then breaking your heart when you see people that are, are so lost and they don't know what direction is north, true north. They don't know it, and it's, it's right in front of them. If they would just, for their marriages, for every aspect, and you just go, oh, please, it's, it's right there. Just open it, just read it. It'll give you that. It breaks your heart when you see that, and yet they don't do it. I feel like it tends to charge my battery. It charges me internally and helps motivate me and push me the direction that I should go, even if there's resistance. The more I read, the more focused I am, the more I feel like I'm on the right track, the more I feel like I'm living the life I want to live, the life he wants me to live. So then that basically charges me to read more and continue and keep going. That's that, that, that book that gives you spirit and life. Mm -hmm. Life to the full. That's what Jesus said, right? This is what truth is all about. God's desire for our lives to experience all that he has. And he wrote it in black and white. And yet how many people would choose to resist it? I just think of, uh, you know, kind of relate to like sports and just being on a team and you knowing that, hey, if, if you just pick up your playbook, you can get a shot. It's not the coach. It's not the fans. It's not the, the cleats. Just spend some time. And so I see that same sort of cry, but not directly as, as, I, as I walk here on earth. And, and that's the thing, that's the ticket that we miss off on, is we want action and we're ready to go, but we didn't get in the playbook. If you got your Bibles, I wanna invite you to go to the book of James. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're actually going through the book of James, <laughs> literally verse by verse, because it's a life-giving word. And James teaches us things that we need to hear. And, and we need to do, if you will, um, some serious looking at our lives and the work that's required. And so if you've got your Bibles, James chapter one, and I'm gonna begin in the 19th verse. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Look what it says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So look what he says. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Humbly accept God's word. Verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. 
You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. How many people do we know that? That's why I always say there are only two gods in the world. There's Yahweh and your way. (laughs) And trust me, Yahweh knows the better way. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. Notice that word glance. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, that's God's word, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, watch this, then God will bless you for doing it. God will bless you. He goes on to say, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in sight of God the Father means caring for the orphan and the widows in their distress, and watch this, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Everybody, if you're watching me and you're looking around, stop looking around, just look at me in the screen. I love God's word. And I feel so honored that God loved me enough to make sure I have a copy. It's crazy cool. Talk about an instruction manual of knowing how, you know, we're to be put together. God wrote it. You know, when people tell me, you know, God's word, I I just don't get it. It's probably because you don't read it. Because I got to tell you, I think it's quite simple. I I think the difficulty is, is our own rebellious spirit. We just don't want to obey. But when we take God's word and we truly are obedient to it, and read it, and listen to it, life changes. Life changes. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three key steps, if you will, that James gives us on how to be blessed by this book, how to be blessed by the Bible. Here's the first one, step one. You've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. That's what James tells us. Now, let me set it up with a story. It's about a young man who's getting ready to graduate from college. For many months, he had admired a beautiful sports car in a dealer's showroom, and knowing his father could well afford it, he told his father, that's what I want for graduation. Well, graduation day was approaching, and the young man was waiting for signs from his daddy if he had purchased the car. Of course, he had checked the garage and and sniffed around in some neighbors' homes as well and, and didn't find the car. Finally, the morning of his graduation came. His father called him into his private study. He then handed him a beautifully wrapped gift box after he said how proud he was of him and how much he loved him. Now, somewhat disappointed and maybe, if you will, curious, the young man opened the box and he found a lovely leather-bound Bible with his name embossed in gold. Angry, he stood up. He put the Bible back into the box and put the box cover back on it and threw it to his dad and said, with all the money you've got, you give me a Bible? And he stormed out of the house. Now, many years passed, and the young man himself became quite successful in business. He had a beautiful home, a wonderful growing family, but realized that his father was growing old and thought perhaps that he should go see him. You see, he hadn't seen him since that graduation day. 
But before he could make the arrangements, he received a telegram stating that his father had died and that he had been willed everything from his father. When he arrived at his father's house, sudden sadness and great regret began to fill his heart. He began to search through his father's papers and saw the still gift-wrapped Bible box just as he had left it when he threw it back to his dad. With tears, he opened up the Bible and began to turn through its pages. His father had carefully underlined a verse in Matthew 7 that he had turned to, and it said, And if ye, being evil, know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give those who ask of him? He read those words, and as he did, a car key dropped from the back of the Bible. It had a tag with the dealer's name, the same dealer who had the sports car he had desired. And on the tag was the date of his graduation and the words, paid in full. Now, I want you to listen to this. Why do I share that story? Because what saddens me is that I see, even in the church among God's people, is they don't even realize this is the key to everything they really desire. And yet, how many would rather have the key of a sports car, of which will rust, of which will have come a day that it needs to be traded in for a new one. And yet, what's really crazy, and if you'll just play with me for a moment, you actually can have both when you really understand the power of God's word. Now, I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel. Don't even go there. What I'm saying is this. God cares more about my needs than anything I ever need. God understands me better than I understand myself and everything he he gave me, he knows that I need. And everything I need, he gave me. Are you with me on this? And yet how many people, how many people, I'll just say this, you can read the Bible all you want, but until you let its pages change you, your reading was in vain. It was in vain. James is right. You've got to receive the word. Accept the word planted in you. That's what he writes in verse 21. Accept it. Receive it. He goes on to write, For the man who looks intently into the perfect law, the word of God, and continues to do so, not forgetting what he has heard, he will be blessed in what he does. Did you know the word accept literally means to welcome? It means to welcome. It means to have its way. When you receive God's word, you're saying, you, you're welcome into this house, into this house, into this heart. Have your way. Let the word God, that's what the Bible says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who plants, if you will, his life by the rivers of God's word. And he meditates on it day and night. And everything he does, the Bible says, he will prosper. Isn't that crazy? And yet we look out in our world and we think the worldly wealth is somehow prosperity. And yet everybody will die. And everything that you've occurred, everything you've accrued, everything that you've built, if you will, it gets passed on and you go back into the box. It's just a little weird, isn't it? It's just crazy. And yet everything that you really want is in God's word. The marriage you want, it's in God's word. The family you want, it's in God's word. 
the life you want, it is in God's word, but you've got to receive it. You've got to receive it. You see, if you're going to be blessed by the word of God, you have to be receptive to what it says. You've got to want it. You've got to welcome it. Isn't that great? I want to talk about two ways that James tells us, uh, or two receptive attitudes that we need to have. But let's just pause there for a moment. What's going through your mind as I'm sharing these words? Doesn't matter what state of emotion I'm in when I, when I go to the Bible and read, I always receive. There's always something I get out of it. And, um, you know, I may not be, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to be disciplined, but it's disciplined because I know that when I'll read it, I will receive from it. So regardless of, of where I'm at, where my mind's at, when I'm in it, God always reveals something to me. There's life in it. I think of the word, I love the word welcome. Use that word, welcome, maybe in other words, eager. You know, because you guys have a one-year-old, you and a year and a half old, and our youngest grandson is not quite two. And you look at the eagerness of them wanting to learn. Just life. I mean, they come and everything's an adventure to them. They want to learn every day. Every day they're learning something more. And because of that, you see it. You see it grow. And that's the way we should be. And that's why I think when Jesus says, come to this as a child, come welcoming, eager to learn, kind of open-handed, open-hearted, ready to learn. And then it breaks your heart when you read in here that Jesus, in some areas, couldn't do miracles because of the hardness of their heart. You know, because it was closed and the word meant nothing. It couldn't go anywhere on it. So for me, it's the desire to be like a child that kind of eagerness, what, what can I learn, what can I learn? I think about like the picture of when someone come to, comes over to my house and I want them there, I open up the door, I unlock the door, but how many times in my life do I almost expect God to use a battering ram? Do I expect God to kick down the door because I just, I'm, I, I say I'm, I'm accepting what God wants to do in my life, but it's like, yeah, God, if you can find a way in, then we'll, we'll change some things. Whereas if someone's there and I really want them, I'm gonna open up the door and say, come on in, you're welcome here. Whatever you wanna do, do it, you know? I think of uh, just kind of being young and running around kind of in and out the house. And my mom would always stop the boys or, or whatever, my sisters, and say, take your shoes off before you come in the house. And so I think of that in the same way of receiving. And when I get into God's word and when I'm in tune with God, let me take my shoes off. Let me, let me, let me leave all that behind. Let me, let me slow down. Let me give you those two receptive attitudes that James says that we need to have. And, and let me just, I'll express them. They might seem simplistic, but uh, I, th I think you'll get it. Here's the first attitude we need to have. Get out of the world. Get out of the world. Verse 21, he says, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent. Did you know the word filth here? I think you'll love this. It's pretty graphic. It actually means human waste. Think about that for a moment. Because that's precisely what sin really is. It's like a person soiling themselves and then doing nothing about it. James says, clean it up. It's time to, by the way, if you do nothing about it, others are going to know something stinks. I mean, think about a child. Let's just talk about a little child. I mean, you just mentioned little children. You know, when they soil themselves as an infant, they begin to do what? Cry. And you know. 
Absolutely. You know exactly what's going on. In their own way, you know what they're saying? Clean me up. I got to get rid of this. I don't want to carry around this. It's no fun. And yet, how many adult people under the name of God are perfectly, around, uh, perfectly fine walking around in their own soil? You see, a receptive attitude says, I need to clean this up. I need to make a change, if you will. I mean, that's really what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9. We, we know this verse, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The living Bible, I think, has the most accurate translation. Get rid of all that's wrong in your life, both inside and out. You see, a receptive attitude, you ready for this? Isn't about trying to hide something. A true receptive attitude says, God already knows nothing's hidden, and so I need to deal with this. That's the first key to having a receptive attitude. By the way, over and over I hear the church, especially amidst the last 16 weeks of everything we've been dealing with, I, I hear this word revival. Over and over people go, are, are saying, I want revival. And if you're a student of history, you will know this. Every revival was preceded by a great awakening of God's people. In fact, if you're not willing to look at your own life and your own messes and get rid of and let God, if you will, uh, take your heart and check it, as David said, to cleanse me, search my heart and cleanse me. If you're not willing to have that heart, you will never see revival. The great awakenings always preceded revival. When God's church said, we need to get broken, we need to get repentive. So the first receptive attitude is what? Get out of the world. But then the second part of having a receptive attitude is get in to the word. I've got to get rid of all this filth. But what does James say? Humbly accept the word of God planted in you. Now, don't miss this. The attitude here is having a teachable spirit. It's having a, a teachable spirit. In other words, you're hungry, you're eager, the word was used, to learn. You care more about what God knows than what the world says. See, the Greek word here about humbly accepting the word isn't talking about an outward behavior. It's talking about an inward disposition. It's the attitude where you say, God, truly, your word's welcome, have your way. It's come on in the front door and completely renovate the entire house. I don't care what the cost is. It's time for the new life to begin. It's not, hey, God, would you maybe buy me a few like, new throw pillows for the couch? He's like, no, you, know, you don't tell God that. He comes in and you just let him gut the place if need be. Because you know that what he's going to do is going to be awesome. That's what Paul was talking about when he says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You have this attitude that says, I want to receive your word to be transformed by it. Is this good stuff? Yeah. yeah. What's going on? 
Well, I love when you were talking about revival and brokenness. And I really, I really think that's neat. God has been talking to me a, a lot about broken is better. And I'm finally realizing that I'm broken. And it's not, it's not so easy to walk through that, you know, like taking time, reading God's word, asking him to help you change. And I know he will. And it's hard sometimes because you feel a deep conviction. But um, if you want to go all the way through it and repent of that and change and you have people around you keeping you accountable that you can be vulnerable with, um, you can see some major changes. And it also helps you realize how much God loves you, that he won't leave you where you're at. He wants you to be better and better all the time. And that's the power of his word. I have received the word written down numerous times already as I'm writing my notes. And I keep putting the word listen next to it because it's not even just receiving the word. It's listening and then applying because you can receive a lot of things. But are you really receiving it in the form that he intended if you're not listening or if you're not listening to the whole message combined? Well, that takes me right to the second step because you are right on. And here it is, step two. You've got to now then reflect on it. You don't just receive it. You've got to reflect on it. You've got to listen to it. You're so right. We can hear a lot of things. But how many times have we heard the old adage, it goes in one ear and out the other? God wants to make impact. And so when we receive it, we're open. Now God speaks to us. We have to reflect on it. That's what verse 23 says. Look at it. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, immediately goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, immediately forgets what he read, what he heard. Does anybody know what a mirror is for? It's for evaluation. That's what a mirror is for, is it not? You look into a mirror to assess the damage you did the night before. I mean, isn't that really what it's about? Now think about it. And then as you're assessing the damage, you then try to make attempts to do something about it. Hence a mirror. Well, that's what God's word is. It's a mirror. It's a mirror to reflect what's going on in the inside. And as we listen to it, God starts assessing the damage and says, now here's what you can do about that. It's a powerful, incredible, transformational truth. The writer of Hebrews says, God's word detects the thoughts, detects the intents, the motives, and the desires of the heart. You know, many years ago, Queen Elizabeth, uh, she was quite beautiful in her youth. But you know, we get older, right? Gravity, okay? Well, later in her reign, most people don't know this, she had orders put, if you will, into the staff that all the mirrors had to be removed from Buckingham Palace. There's not one mirror in Buckingham Palace. And the reason why is 
because she couldn't stand the fact that she was growing old. I think it's why a lot of people don't read the Bible. I agree. Again, I will say what I said in the beginning. I don't think it's because they don't understand what it says. They don't want to have to do what it says because then they're going to have to repent and admit the word of God. That's why James tells us the man who looks intently into the perfect law. You see, there's two ways to look into a mirror. You can glance or you can gaze. If you glance, you quickly forget. But when you gaze and start looking, you see, you can use a mirror to either comb your hair out or correct your heart within. <laughs> True? You see, the word look here in the Greek, to look intently, literally means to gaze. It's the word gaze. To gaze intently into God's word. Don't miss this. You're never going to gain nourishment by just sipping. It just isn't going to work. That's why James says, and continues to do so. Not only do you look intently, you keep looking into, and looking intently. Have you ever read something in the Bible and, and you read it and it touched you? And then you read it again, it's like you never read it the first time? And then you read it again, it's like, where is my heart? Where's my mind? Like, I've never seen that before. And you just keep reading it, and the Word of God just keeps becoming powerful. It's, it's like the first time God wanted you to get that, but the second time He wanted to take it a little bit different or a little bit deeper. It's just a powerful book. It's like I've really been in the Bible a lot, and yet the more I read it, the bigger it gets. It's amazing. It truly is God's love letter, signed with X and O's, and he keeps telling me how much he loves me and how much he has for me. And he keeps showing me that over and over and over again. So we need to not only receive it, we've got to reflect on it. Now we're going to look at step three, but let's talk about that for a moment. What's going through your mind? When I think of, we've all gotten gifts. And for Father's Day, I got a gift of a pullover. But if I never wear it, it was never a gift. I, I, I didn't receive it because to receive means I have to wear it. And that's the same thing for me, what you just said for me. If I'm going to if I have to read it, I have to wear this and put it on and let it read me. I always think you've used it now as many times to put your name in it. Even, for example, First Corinthians 13, love is patient, kind, good. Put my name in there. OK, is that true? Is that really right? And let the word as I wear it, let it really read the inside of my heart. Is this really me? Uh, so what do I need to do with that? I mean, that's what I have to do with it if I'm going to receive it. I like, your, I like talking about the mirror because when I think of the mirror, for me, when I look in the mirror, I mean, most of the time it's, it's your hair, right? I mean, you're always combing your hair. And for me, the more times I've been looking in the mirror lately, like, I'm realizing I'm losing my hair. See, like, I don't have much hair left anymore. But it's, it's good for us to assess. It's good for us to look through the mirror a lot so that we know and we can assess ourselves just like the Bible does. When we read the Bible, um, it allows us to be able to assess where we're at currently, right now. The Bible is living and active. 
And it's, it's, in a way, it's always changing because of where we're at. And so God speak to us, speaks to us in those ways. Wherever we're at right now, we can assess where we're at and then use that to be better. I feel like when I am reflecting, um, I like to tie it in and I like to put it in real life scenarios. I like to take the word and I like to think about how I can implement it, how I can change the way I behave or what I do, where I go, who I speak with. So that way when I'm reflecting that I know there's a path for me to actually utilize it. How I'm gonna say, okay, well, this is where I have an area of improvement and this is how I can make those changes. So I can almost see his word developing and growing within as I'm projecting how I'm gonna make those changes. Those are great action steps. That is a great action step. Well, let's go to step three. So we receive the word. We're open with an attitude that's, that's saying, hey, I've gotta get rid of these things in my life that I'm, I'm being like the, the world, and I'm gonna let the word then begin to show me what true life is, so I'm reflecting on it. Well, here's step three. You then have to respond to it. You receive it, you reflect on it, but you gotta act. See, to read and not do means you never read in the first place. If we're really being honest about it, James says, verse 22, do not merely listen to what the word says and deceive yourself, do what it says. I like to say it this way, a word that never moves your feet really never changed your heart. A word that doesn't move your feet never really changed your heart. I heard about a guy who came to church late <laughs> that could be any one of you, couldn't it? <laughs> and so he, he, walked, he walked into the service as it was being completed. He says to an usher, sort of, if you will, uh, sheepishly, he says, is the sermon done yet? I love what the wise old usher said in response. Well, no, the sermon's been preached. It's yet to have been done. That's good. That's good. John 13 says, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. If you do them. It's action. We, we, we grew up with it, didn't we? Actions speak louder than words. See, we have to respond to it. See, that's the fullness, the completeness of it. When we receive it and we reflect on it, we let it have its way, but then we go live accordingly. That's, if you will, the fruit of God's word working in your life. Before I wrap this up, what's going through your mind? I think um, I just want to say about the the blessings, because it's been mentioned in scriptures and the things that you've been saying, is that God does bless us when we walk in his ways and we read his word and do it. And sometimes I think it's easy for me not to realize that I, that I do have all these blessings, even just like peace of mind and direction and guidance and things that I don't always think of. But um, all over his word, it, it talks about how he blesses those who fear him and who walk in his ways. And so we have like a pot of gold, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
every day. <laughs> I think there's three things that you've always said in any book that you read, you should look at, and it's been helpful for me, especially in the Bible, and it's the first two things you said is, okay, what do I need to learn? Then what do I need to apply? And the third one is, and then what do I need to teach someone else? And I've, I've appreciated when you did that because it made me take the next step of not just applying, but okay, I need to now put feet to it and help somebody else put feet to it as well to even put it further into my heart. I've, I've appreciated those. And that goes to that example you've used too of looking at like the Dead Sea and ponds. What's the difference between a pond and a river? A river actually flows through. It has life. It has these things going in it. Whereas a pond, we had a horse pond growing up that was the nastiest thing in the world because nothing went out of it. There was scum on top. All the fish we put in it would die or try to get out because <laughs> literally there was nothing coming out of it. In the same way, when we have God's word coming into us and none of it's coming out into our life or into talking to other people, we're going to end up stagnating, aren't we? Oh, that's, that's awesome. I think of just the significance in writing a love letter and then knowing that that person on the other end never received it. And just the power of that. Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that there's, there's so many hearts and they're searching for that something to fill it, whatever it is. But the letter's been, it's been written. Slow down and read it. It takes me back to the story that I shared about the boy that graduated. He actually had the car, but he never knew it. What was that like for a father when he gave the Bible back and the keys to the car he wanted are right there? but he didn't like the way it came. And how many times do we pass on that, that God's writing us a love letter and it's never received what that does to the Father's heart? God wrote us the greatest love letter of all, the Word of God that would transform us and bring about everything that we've ever truly desired and wanted. It's right there in its pages. And he wrote it from his very heart to ours. But how many times it's not received? It's not received. Church, listen to this. Because I, I, wanna, I wanna wrap up by something that, that we've been talking about here. When you receive the word, you now reflect upon it, but then you need to take it and you need to respond to it, go live it out. Because I, I, I wanna say this, and this might shock a few of you, but, but I want you to get this because it's truly a biblical fact. God did not write the Bible to grow you. See, we think that because that's where we stop. But what good is it if I grow up in everything in Christ, but I never share that with anyone else? That's not growth. God did not write the Bible to grow me. God wrote the word that in growing up, I would go then give that away. Knowledge of God was never to be kept to ourselves. And James tells us that as he wraps up this first chapter. If anyone considers himself religious, as if they're mature, they've grown, and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. What is he talking about? He says that his religious is worthless. In other words, if we go out speaking like the world, we're going to hurt other people if we react or tear someone down. Well, then Christ never really changed us, has he? 
Because if the word of God is coming in us, then the word of God is going to come out of us. And those words bring life. Now, I might have to be firm. Someone might have to be firm with me. But they do that because they love me, right? But that's what, what James is talking about. He goes on to say, religion that our God and Father accept as faultless, that is perfect, is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. To care about other people. To see people who are oppressed. To see people who are broken. People who have needs. And we respond to them. What good is coming to church if we're not going to go be the church? What's, what good is it learning of Jesus if we're not going to go be Jesus? But then he says this. That we're to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Folks, this is not my home. I am an alien in a strange planet. My home is in heaven. But Jesus said, we're to pray that thy will be done on, in, in, on earth as it is in heaven. We get to be heaven now. We get to be about the kingdom now. And the key to that is God's word. I will tell you this. You want to be blessed by the Bible? Then you get in the Bible. And you ready for this? You'll be a blessing to the world because the word of God is going to come out of you. It will change you and that change will impact another. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, you are so good. Your word is so amazing. A love letter that you assured that I would have a copy in every one of us here. God, what a privilege that is. God, that, that love letter was not to be shoved into a drawer. It was not to be kept into a box. It's to be put in such a place that we read it like, like the psalmist said and that we meditate on it day and night. What was written in the first five books of the Bible, what Moses said. Make sure the word of God is ever on the forefront of your minds. That we're to read it when we get up and read it when we go to bed and to live it throughout the day. We're to teach it to our children. This word of truth that sets us free that transforms us, as Paul said in Romans. And then we become completely someone different. And by doing so, other lives are impacted. God, this word, like Peter said, we're to drink it like a child does milk. And by doing so, we would grow up in our salvation. And in growing up, we would go out and impact this world for you. God, I pray right now that we would have a heart of repentance, a repentance that right now, God, that we're saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for not making the word of God my authority, my breath, filling my lungs and minds with it. But God, in our repentance, that can begin to change as right now, we're going to begin to read it in such a way, to receive it, to reflect on it, to let it have its way, to do what it needs to be done, and then go out and respond to it in our lives and in our world around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button 
take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.